You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Welcome to Galatians chapter 1. Look with me, will you please, at the scripture. I'm going to begin reading with verse 6. And here, the Apostle Paul begins to open his heart before the Christians in the churches of Galatia. Let me just say this before, we, before I read it. Normally, it is at this point in a letter to a church that Paul spends some time meditating upon and thanking God for the believers in that church. You read in the other letters, you'll say, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. I, I'm so thankful for what you have done, the way you have blessed me, the way you have been strengthened. He does not in any way in this letter uh, thank God for what is happening among the Christians in Galatia. He can scarcely get out of his introductory statements in this letter before right on the forefront uh, of his heart and then, of course, in his pen, there is this statement, I marvel, he said, I am amazed that you are so soon removed, so quickly removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert or distort the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel, now I want you to get the sense of these next two verses, but though we are an angel from heaven even, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The word there, anathema. In other words, he said, if, if we should show up and ever preach a gospel that is different than the gospel that I delivered to you when first I came to you, let us be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. And now he's speaking to those in that church who are preaching that kind of gospel. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Strong words from the Apostle Paul about this other gospel. What is this different gospel, this other gospel? We're going to be looking this evening at the dangers of a different gospel. Father, our prayer is that the Scripture will become alive to us that somehow it will be for us tonight that we would hear as those Galatians must have heard as the letters were read to them there in the church. Father, I pray that you'd show us the danger of deviating to another type of gospel than the one which is rooted and, and firmly planted here in the Scripture. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will minister the, the, the truths of this Word to our lives, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would show us the difference between the true gospel and a false gospel, which is not good news at all. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Would you be seated, please? I'm going to make a, start, a statement that is probably going to startle some of you this evening. But I can vouch to you that this is an accurate statement. By and large... The gospel which is preached from the pulpits and taught in the classes of most churches in America is not the same as the gospel that is found in the Scripture. Most churches preach a different kind of gospel which is not a gospel 
because it's not good news. You say, Brother Tom, that sounds like you're being hard and narrow and saying that, that only First Southern or maybe only Southern Baptist. I'm not saying that. But I am saying to you that most preaching and most teaching is not a gospel according to the Scripture. It is the very kind of different gospel of which the Apostle Paul is warning the Galatians. If you go into a church and you find in that church that there are people who say to you, for instance, in order for you to become a Christian, it is very important for you to be baptized. As a matter of fact, they might say, there's no way for you to really be a Christian unless you are first baptized. You say that's no big deal, but the truth of the matter is it is a big deal. That is a different kind of gospel. If you go into a church and you hear a gospel preach something like this, well, you can become a Christian, but when you become a Christian, you have to, you have to do something to maintain your Christianity. And so there are these good works that you must do. And if you cease doing those particular good works, why, you will have lost your salvation and you will be destined to hell just as much as you have never had that other experience because you can be saved one day and lost the next day. That's not good news. That is a different kind of gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul is warning about here in the church, uh, warning about here in the letter to the Galatians. If you go into a setting... Someone stands up and says, well, the way that you become a Christian and maintain your Christianity is that you have to observe the seven sacraments of the church. These are seven things you do in order to be saved. And since the truth of the matter is that you probably are going to sin sometime during the week, it's very important that you come into this setting every week and you receive the sacrament of Holy Communion because that's the way you keep Jesus in you. When I lift up this wafer, it will become the real body of Christ. When I lift up this cup, it will be changed into the real blood of Jesus. And you receive more of Jesus, you ingest him. Literally, as you take this wafer, as you take this cup, you ingest him. And that will do you for another week until you come back next week and you confess and you take Holy Communion once again. That is not good news, dear friend. That is bondage. That is a different kind of gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul is warning about in this letter to the Christians in Galatia. If you go to a church and they say, well, the way that you get to heaven is by trying your best. If you will try your hardest, if you will do the best you can do, if you will be just as sincere as you know how to be, well, that is the main thing. You come to church as faithful as you can. You be as loving as you can. God knows your heart. And in the end, God will see that your good works have outweighed your bad works. He will see that your noble intentions have outweighed your sinful thoughts and deeds. And because the good will outweigh the bad, you will get to go to heaven. That is another gospel. That is a different gospel. If you go into a church and they say, well, here is how you become a Christian. As you're growing up, you will get to a certain age. And when you get to that certain age, we want you to attend classes. And as you attend those classes, we're going to teach you some things which you need to believe. And we're going to teach you some truths out of the Bible. We're going to teach you about Jesus. We're going to teach you about God. We're going to teach you about church. And when you get to the point at this age that you can recite those back to us, and if you will tell us that you believe those things, 
then we will confirm you because you have already been baptized earlier. Earlier, You just all along have been a lover of Jesus, but we will confirm that you are on your way to heaven and you will go through this confirmation service. Dear friend, that is a different kind of gospel. That is not the gospel which the Lord tells us about here in this book. Now, I could go on and on this evening, but I've tried to pick, to, uh, to pick this evening the kind of church settings in which perhaps many of you have grown up or in which many of you may have friends or family members and you think, well, you know, at least they're in a Christian church and it's very innocuous and they're doing the best they know how to do and, oh, yeah, I wish they could be in my church or I wish they, they understood exactly what the Bible said, but it's okay because they're doing the best in that church. Dear friends, it's interesting. They can do their best but if it is any other gospel than the real gospel, there are inherent dangers in it. And the greatest danger is that you miss heaven and spend forever in hell. You say, well, what about those people? I mean, they are innocent enough, don't they? Don't, I mean, what if nobody ever tells them that truth? Is this really serious? Dear friends, this is serious business. And so this evening I'm speaking to you about the dangers of a different gospel the dangers of a different gospel because there are a lot of people who don't think that it's very important what you believe, that, well, if there are just a few nuances, just a few shades of difference, if they're, you know, well, that's okay. Well, dear friend, let me just tell you, there's some inherent dangers in the different gospel. And I know that the spirit of this age is a spirit of openness and the spirit of toleration and the spirit of acceptance. Listen, friend, I can be open and I can be tolerant and I can be accepting but I will not compromise what the Bible says the gospel is. The gospel is what the Bible says the gospel is. Now, in the heart of the gospel, there is this. All men are sinners. Jesus alone, the Son of God, is the sinless one. The wages of sin is an eternity of separation from God in a place called hell. Jesus, because God loved us, came to this earth he, the perfect Savior, died on the cross as payment for the sin of man. God raised him up from the grave, and he is alive today, and those who receive Christ, listen, plus nothing by faith are those who receive eternal life. It is a matter of repenting of sin and trusting in Jesus plus nothing. Not anything a church does to you, not anything a priest or a pastor can do for you. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. That is the simplicity of the gospel message. That's so very important to understand, the simplicity of the gospel. Now, when you receive Christ by faith as your Savior, you are repenting of your sin, you are trusting in Him, there will be a difference in your life, there will be a difference in your walk and your talk, and you will have a love for the church. But you do not put that beforehand because that's putting the cart before the horse. You do not say, if you walk right, if you talk right, if you come to church enough, therefore you must be saved. There are a lot of people who do all those things and they are not saved. They are not saved. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to these Christians in Galatia. Now, the Christians in Galatia had moved all the way from believing that the only way a person would ever be right with God would be to practice the law. 
They had moved from that right over to the point where when the Apostle Paul preached the grace of Christ, they had embraced Jesus as their Savior. But being so zealous, the pendulum, as I have said in two other messages, never stopped in their life. It just kept swinging on. And all of a sudden, those laws, which they realized could not save them, became more important to them than the Jesus who did save them. I'm sure they looked back and they said, you know, we have a fresh appreciation for the Word of God. Why, you know, we didn't really keep, we didn't really understand those, we didn't really keep those laws. And all of a sudden they began to institute laws so much so that the Christians in Galatia began to say to others, the only way for you to be a Christian is for you first to be a Jew. And so Galatianism is often called, uh, the people who practice Galatianism are often called Judaizers, people who would make Jews out of folks in order that they might become Christians. So much so that they would even say that a, a male could not be a believer unless, first of all, he had undergone the rite of circumcision as was required of the Jewish male. Now, these were the Judaizers. They were more interested in the externals of the flesh. They would watch you. They would look at your behavior. They would examine you by their rules and by their standards. And if you did not meet up to their rules, if you didn't meet up to their standards, if you didn't practice it the way they thought you ought to practice, immediately it was suspect whether you were a Christian. They were Judaizers. They were harsh. They were judgmental. They were critical. They were more afraid than they were bold. They were afraid that something was going to come into their territory and mess up their little idealistic life, idyllic life. They did not want that. They were afraid something was going to tear them away from God and drive them back into a life of sinfulness. And as I said this morning, there's something to be said because every Christian needs a fresh reminder of where they've come from and what is involved in loving God. But there's also something the Apostle Paul said that I need to teach you about your freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says that is a different kind of gospel. It is a distorted kind of gospel. He said it is a gospel that has deserted the very principles of God the Father himself. So let's look at it. With your Bible open to Galatians chapter 1, I want to share with you the dangers of a different gospel, the dangers of a different gospel. First of all, there is what I want to call the danger of desertion. The danger of desertion. Look with me, if you will, please, at verse 6 and 7. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another. Now, what he's saying is the word gospel is the word euangelizo. That means to say the good news or to speak the good news. Euangelion is the noun for the gospel, the preaching of the good news. And he said, you've moved away to another kind of gospel which is not good news at all. It's the same old bad news that you have come out of. Now, notice what he says. The amazing thing to me is that so quickly after your conversion, you have returned to focusing upon the law to focusing upon the importance of man's side of the equation, your behavior. You've come to the point where you trust in man's ability, where you trust in man's discipline, where you trust in man's commitment. You have become much more educated, but you are much less evangelistic. 
You know a lot more, but you are dedicated to what you know, not to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me share with you one of the evidences that you may be moving away into this kind of a gospel which is not a gospel. I have known of any number of people who have been saved, maybe for a horrible life of sin, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, taken their Bible in hand, started off to church, been blessed out of their socks at church. I mean, they've just, they've just been thrilled with what God has done in their life. And they begin to get deeper and deeper into the Word of God. And slowly, the focus begins to shift in their life. And maybe they'll go to a, 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 a class and in that class, it is emphasized that a Christian must be disciplined. Is that wrong? I certainly hope not, because the Bible says we are to be disciplined people. But in their particular instance, let's say in this man's or woman's particular instance, one of the characteristics of their life without Christ was a life that was undisciplined. And so they hear this message, you need to be disciplined. And so something in their heart clicks. They say, I, I love God more than anything else in all this world. I need to be disciplined. And the area where I need to be disciplined the most is the area of the study of, the, of God's Word. I'm going to be disciplined in the study of God's Word. And maybe someone, maybe it's a preacher like me, or maybe it's a teacher in a class someplace, says, you know, you probably ought to read X amount of Scripture every day. And so you put that up there and say, I, I think that I'll really be exhibiting the fact that I love God and that, that I'm really doing right if I read this certain amount of Scripture each day. And so you determine that you're going to discipline yourself to read that certain amount of Scripture each day. Anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. I do that. I encourage people to do that. But let me tell you when it gets to be wrong. It gets to be wrong when your personal delight in the practice of that discipline begins to exceed your personal sense of God's presence while you are practicing it. You get to the end of that time of discipline and you have read all the words, but you have missed God. And you go away from that saying, well, I didn't really hear anything. I didn't really find, you know, I, I learned some more stuff. I didn't really sense God's presence, but I sure did it. So everything must be all right in my life. Now, what gets even worse is when you become so disciplined in that practice that people begin to hold you up and, and they say, would you tell us how to be disciplined? And you begin to import Christ. No, you begin to import your discipline. And pretty soon, there are a string of people who are, like you, more focused upon a discipline than you are upon the Lord whom you are supposed to meet in the practice of that discipline. Now, let me just tell you, all of that beats no discipline at all. <laughs> but I think you see what I'm saying. You can tell when you are moving toward Galatianism when it is more important to you to keep the discipline than it is to meet God. You say, Brother Tom, what if I'm there? Should I not be disciplined? No. It just means that you ought to change the desire of your heart when you take your Bible in hand during those times. 
you need to stop saying, Lord, you know, how much can I cram in? You need to say, Lord, I want to meet you. Lord, I want to hear from you. Lord, I am your bond slave. And my heart's desire is to have a meeting with you. Now, let me just tell you that the mark of spiritual maturity is not that you just have all of the lids closed and locked down and all the right squares checked and everything taken care of in your life. Now, the ironic thing about this is that I have helped to author some, some discipleship material, uh, have made some contributions, which is, which is used literally around the world in, in over 120 foreign countries. Hundreds of thousands of people have used that material. But I can tell you that in the midst of that, if you begin to glory in the fact that you have finally whipped your will into submission, more so than you begin to glory in the Jesus who saved you, you are moving toward legalism. And what you will have to give other people is not the life and the freedom and the joy of Christ. It will just be more discipline. Do more things. Live more this way. Put yourself in the kind of boxes that I'm in and the kind of time schedule I'm in and you like what I like and enjoy what I enjoy. And if you are that disciplined, well, then you will be as mature as I am. Wrong. Wrong. The deeper you go, the more keenly aware you will be of the presence of God and the less keenly aware of you will be of the time which will, that you're spending, which will grow by leaps and bounds because you are feasting upon the Word of God. You're meeting with Jesus. And so here is Paul who says to the Christians in Galatia, you have deserted the very one who called you. I am amazed, he said, that, that it seems like with a bat of an eye you have moved away from the very one whose grace made your salvation possible. And you have become more interested in exporting your discipline and in putting your disciplinary imprimatur on other people. You and your disciplines have become the standard, not Christ and his grace. Against discipline, no. But you can have the form of godliness and deny the power, the Apostle Paul said. All right? Secondly, there is the danger of distortion. The danger of distortion. Look at the rest of verse 7. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert. The word for pervert literally means distort or twist up. And would pervert the gospel of of Christ. You see, if you believe, if you ever begin believing that your works are an essential part of salvation, that you have to work to be saved, or that you get saved and then you stay saved by your good works, the logical conclusion will be that if you are saved by certain works, then there are certain works which are more important than other works. For instance, one of those works could be baptism. And you could start saying, well, you know, you've got to be baptized to be saved. Or you can start saying you've got to have the Lord's Supper to be saved. Or you can start saying you've got to come to church to be saved. Or if you're really saved, you're going to like everything that I like. That's the evidence that you're really saved. The criteria is whether your taste or my taste. You see, all of a sudden you can begin to pervert the gospel of grace. 
And so he says, what's happened is some have come in among you and they have begun to distort the gospel. They have taken the freedom of Christ. And we're going to get down to a point in the book of, of Galatians where you're going to see how valuable, how important the law is, what the purpose of the law is. It's not a matter of shucking the law. Christ said, I came to fulfill the law. He said, a person who, who teaches a person to break the law, why, it would be better for that person that a millstone be put around his neck. He'd be thrown into the sea. The issue is not here to become a lawbreaker. License is not the same as liberty. But he says there are those who have come in and they have distorted the gospel and they have made it not just Christ plus nothing, they have made it Christ plus something or Christ plus someone or Christ plus some activity or Christ plus some standard or Christ plus some measure. So the Apostle Paul says not only is there the danger of desertion, there is the danger of distortion. And that's the reason that I'm saying that across this city tonight, there are people meeting in churches, faithful. They're trying so hard. They're working so hard. But they are hearing a different kind of gospel because they're hearing that salvation is Christ plus something. They believe that unless they do that something, they will never have eternal life. Well, anything plus Christ is a work and you are saved by grace through faith. And that is a gift of God, even the faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so there is the danger of distortion. And then finally, there is the danger of death. People who believe in that kind of gospel from the beginning are on their way to an eternity in hell. You say, Brother Tom, that is a very harsh thing for you to say, but I want to tell you something. The Apostle Paul considered it to be such a serious thing that here, twice, he says that anyone who will preach that kind of gospel is a perpetrator of death and let him be accursed. He said, if I preach it, let me be accursed. If an angel from heaven comes and preaches a different gospel than what you've heard, let him be accursed. He said, if there are people among you, why should they be accursed? Because they are perpetrating not life, they are perpetrating a certain kind of death. Death. All under the guise of good news. Good news, more laws for you to obey. Good news, a higher standard than you can keep. Good news, you are bound to the church. Good news, you can have it today but lose it tomorrow. There's no good news in that, friend. So that's why the Apostle Paul says, whether it's us or them or even an angel from heaven, let him be accursed. Anathema, the danger of death. Now I say this because our tendency is to believe that the only people who need the good news are people who are outside churches. But friends, there are hundreds of people meeting inside churches and doing everything they have been taught tonight who are on their way to hell because what they have heard is not the gospel. What they have heard is not the simplicity that is Christ plus nothing and that Christ sets you free to fulfill the law. What they have heard is that these are our rules. If you will do these, you can have eternal life. And that is not good news. 
desertion, distortion, and death. Those are the dangers of a different gospel. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in Galatia, said, it is amazing to me, amazing to me, that so soon after you receive Christ by faith and experience His grace, so soon after that has happened, it is amazing to me that you have moved away to another kind of gospel, to a distorted desertion of the truth. Let me ask you this question tonight. Can you say in your heart, preacher, I know this. My experience of salvation has been Jesus plus nothing else. I repented of my sin and I trusted in Christ and Christ alone is my Savior. Well, dear friend, that is the only gospel. That is the only good news. The world has tried all the others. Religion means just that, a return to bondage. The world has its own kind of bondage. But it could be this evening that you're sitting here and you say, you know, I just very instantly, I mean, I grew up, and I did those things, I always thought I was a Christian since then. I mean, I was told if I could say that, I was a Christian, or if I got that, I was a Christian, or if I repeated this, I was a Christian, or if I tried hard, I was a Christian. And Brother Tom, I've just always thought it was all right. You mean that as long as I am trusting in anything that I do, that there's no eternal life? I mean that. Because you see, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing and no one else. Repenting of your sin, turning to Christ alone, He alone can save you. Your effort will not avail to anything. It is simply faith in Christ. And I would urge you, dear friend, the moment we stand, to make your way down here and find one of these counselors and say, look, what I want is the true gospel. Or look, I want to trust in Jesus alone. I want to trust in Jesus alone tonight. These counselors will be down here and in less time than it would take me to tell you about it. You can know what it is to be born again into the family of God, to have your sins forgiven, to walk out of here knowing that you have God's wonderful, wonderful eternal life that is all available for you if you will receive Christ by faith tonight as your Savior. I would urge you to make that decision when we stand in a few moments. If you're not a member of this church, I would urge you to come. As God speaks to your heart, join the church. Become a part of a church that preaches the simplicity of the gospel as it is in the Word. You say, Brother Tom, I can vouch for that because you hadn't told me anything that I need to do for this church in order to have eternal life. If you're born again, then you will love to be a part of a church family. And you'll, you, you won't want to spend your life moving around through church smorgasbords and buffet lines, tasting this, checking that. You'll realize that God says, look, it's time to plant your life and start serving. And I would encourage you, if you love the Lord Jesus and if you want to serve him, I would encourage you tonight, whoever you are, wherever you live, make your way to this altar and say, look, we want to plant our lives. I want to plant my life in this church. If you've openly, if you trusted Jesus rather as your Savior, you've never confessed him by, as your Savior through the symbol of baptism, that's one of the things the Lord says believers ought to do. And I would urge you to make that decision this evening. The altar is open. Many of you will want to come and kneel because you have friends who hear consistently a different kind of gospel. And you've always sort of just rested safely saying, well, at least they believe in Jesus. But you see, dear friends, what they're also believing in is themselves or their church or their priest or their pastor. And that is not good news. And I would urge you to come to this altar and you say, dear Lord, show me how I can make a difference in sharing the gospel with them. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Our praise singers will be coming up here.
to uh, help us as we sing a hymn of invitation. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And the moment I say amen, we're going to stand and you make your way to this altar to say, I, I want to decide for Jesus. We want to join this church tonight. I want to be a part of some, some group, some place that preaches and teaches the true gospel of Christ. Father in heaven, I pray your Holy Spirit right now would touch the hearts of moms and dads. I pray, Lord, that you'd give spiritual leadership to dads and moms, especially tonight, if they need to come, be a part of this church family. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to the heart of students, young men, young ladies who need to come, be a part of this church, people who need to give their hearts to Christ, receiving him by faith as their Savior and as the Lord of their life. Bring them to this altar to say yes to you. I pray in Jesus' name.